Shall we begin? <laughs> Hello, welcome to Luncheon with Lisa. I'm excited for another episode of Luncheon with Lisa. I'm so glad you all are tuning in today. Y'all don't want to miss today um, because I have somebody on here is going to school y'all on some things. I think y'all thought y'all knew, but y'all don't really know. Um, so I want to, and I know I usually do a um, just because moment at the beginning, but we had so many things I wanted to talk about with our guests that I decided to forego the just because. But usually what I do, Tyrone, is have um, shout out somebody who has a business or something they're doing a book or whatever. And I just kind of shout them out and encourage everybody to go out there and support them. So whoever I've, I've already done that for, please just continue to support them. And then when we finish with this show, I'm going to ask you to support Tyrone and everything that he does. But I think that some of these people are actually already supporting you and don't realize that they are. So I wanted to give you a little. That's a huh? I said, that's a good thing. I like that. I appreciate it. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know. Well, you know, when we share with them what you do, they might say, oh, I didn't realize I was listening to Tyrone this whole time. So I wanted to introduce you to our guest. I said on the um, promo that we were bringing the West Coast to the East Coast virtually um, since nobody's moving during COVID. So so let me introduce our guest. Um, so I'm going to give you a little background. In the year 2001, radio station KHWY-FM in Barstow, California, took a chance on someone who was desperately trying to fulfill a dream and working in radio. So driving from Los Angeles for over six years, working overnight shifts on the weekends, um, Tyrone, and how do you pronounce your last name, Dubois? Yes, that's correct. Okay, Tyrone Dubois had the dream of a lifetime. After six years, Dubois began working on another dream of a lifetime, an R&B radio program that counts down the top R&B songs in America. Over, let's see, over the last six de decades, according to the National R&B Singles Charts, a chance meeting with his, his idol, Casey Kasem, I remember that name very well, <laughs> was all of the motivation he needed in moving forward. Soon his show caught on and is now playing in over 35 radio and internet markets, as well as six countries, including United Kingdom, Greece, and Spain, among others. His national commercials include Ford Motor Company, Las Vegas um, Casino Hotels. Um, his unmistakable voice is sought after for many auto attend uh, attendant Fortune 500 phone businesses around the country. Another chance meeting with an executive producer gave Tyrone another opportunity of a lifetime, becoming the regular music contributor on one of the highly touted and award-winning programs called Unsung on the TV One television network. Tyrone tells the inner workings and feelings of R&B groups such as the Manhattans, the Chillites, 
Martha Wash, and many others. So I hope my mother's tuned in because the Manhattans, I, I grew up on them before I even knew how to speak. <laughs> I was listening to the Manhattans. <laughs> this success has led to the creation of his new web, uh, webisode series called Do You Know? And up to two minutes said on, on R&B trivia and little known facts about R&B history. Tyrone Dubois, Dubois has become known throughout the country as a master R&B historian that leaves many people baffled over his remembrance of chart history and many have called upon his, his expertise to help solidify an important part of heritage and soul music. Please welcome to Luncheon with Lisa, Tyrone Dubois. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I appreciate I'm you. absolutely honored. Thank you. Problem. Thank you so very much. First of all, congratulations here on your show, because that meant more to me than anything here. And plus, you know, we share a kinship with uh, the book in which we uh, are both a part of with Get Out of Your Own Way. And uh, that means a lot to me. And to be here with you is, is an absolute pleasure and honor. Except I have just one question. Where's lunch? It's probably lunch with right. Lisa. Where's the lunch? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that because that was part of, I, t I had to explain the very first show. I told people, I said, now back in my day, luncheon, luncheon meant you was just a little off or you were tripping or something like that. So there's yeah. no, no lunch, nothing to drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, but we just in my day too, right. <laughs> when they said you luncheon, that meant a whole, I got it. That's right. <laughs> I knew I knew you would understand. I was like, some of the young people might have said, what is luncheon? So yeah, we're gonna be lunching on here sometime. Yeah, I'm, not, so. I'm not hungry all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. I'm good. Okay, because I'll send it later. So it because <laughs> you're a little behind, you're a little behind <laughs> us, right? So lunchtime is over for you too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> It's like four o'clock, so lunchtime is over. <laughs> Your time, actually. It's dinner time, but we're going to actually get into, um, actually, I do want to get into um, talking about the book we did with Sharon. Shout out to Sharon. It was an amazing experience to be part of that collaboration. Um, and I felt like when I reached out to you, I told you it was, I was finally kind of somewhat meeting you in person um, because the group that she put together was really um, a really good group. Um, and I enjoyed the entire experience. I see she's on here um, saying, hey, so hey, Sharon. Hey, Victoria and Cheryl. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. But I wanted to get into what you talked about in your chapter in the book. Um, also, I wanted to talk about, you know, I, I love music. So the, the R&B historian part of your life is just like, I don't know, extraordinary. I just I could, I've watched some other things that you've done and I could just watch for hours and hours because I'm just a, a music person. Um, so I would love to, to talk about how you got into it. What was your attraction to music in the first place to then get into wanting to know the history of it? Well, as a kid in Cincinnati, Ohio, let me first say hello to Sharon. She has literally changed so much of what I've done over these last couple of years. So, hey, Sharon, and she has been a big part of 
who I am and, and what I've done. And in fact, Sharon's book that she gave us after the play with Get Out of Your Own Way, um, mm -hmm. it actually, I write down all of my accomplishments of what I've done in television and radio since she gave me the book. This book is I a very big, it. important part of my life. It says a lot. But I started in Cincinnati, Ohio as a kid. Um, I used to listen to KCK, American Top 40, and I loved it because he was very calm and soothing and my life wasn't all that great, but every Saturday and Sunday I would listen to him because I I wanted to I hear the history about music and the way in which he told the stories. Mm -hmm. And it really meant a lot to me. Uh so much so that I thought, you know, in my mind I wanted to be I wanted to be this guy, you know, as a teenager when I was a kid. And I you know, I really idolized, you know, there were a few things in, in life that I idolized. I either want to play baseball or get in the radio. I got an opportunity to do both. But the fact of being able to, you know, uh, get into the radio aspect and listen to Casey Kasem was uh, it was a dream come true. Yeah, I remember listening to him and I, I, I loved watching Soul Train. And I mean, I would stay in front of the TV for hours watching the dancing, watching the music. Um, the music was different then. I've watched it grow. But what made you what what attracted you to the history? Because you know things that people probably didn't realize. I was listening to something else you were doing and you were sharing things that I was like, people don't know this stuff. Um, he really knows his stuff. So what got into what helped you get into the history of things? Well, part of it was uh, the fact that a lot of people know the glory, but they don't know the story. And Ooh. I got a lot of that from listening to Casey Kasem and um, knowing the chart history of, you know, when people got on the charts, how long they stayed on the charts, how important it was, what was denied when they, they got on it, the struggles in which they've they've had. And um, it, it fascinated me. And um, it kept me, you know, close to music. Even though I had actually started on the pop charts, I made the switch to the R&B charts because I felt like the history of R&B was, you know, much more important than the pop charts. And no one at that moment that I knew of was doing the pop charts in, in an in-depth way. And I felt like that's what I wanted to do. Wonderful. So you okay? So I would like for you to share. You dipped a little bit into like the struggles of the artists and the things they went through as they, you know, got through their music careers. So I wanted to share. I'm gonna bring up Sharon's book that we did, "Get Out of Your Own Way," and share a little bit because this is part of your journey. Um, so shout out to Sharon to get out of your own way. Um, you're actually the chapter before me in the book. Um, and you share some things. I know. I know the title yes. of your chapter, your chapter was "I Have to Fight to Live." Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Um, I think part of it was trying to find myself. That the truth is, is that I think for all of us, we um, we we find ourselves trying to figure out who we are, what we've done. You know, the struggles of what we've had is growing up. My my childhood wasn't exactly all that great. Um, I, I always thought about the the nice things. I know it sounds crazy, but, you know, one of the things that always fascinated me were two things that surround my home. Wind chimes that my grandmother had as a kid and uh, trees. I, I love the opportunity trees. They're, they um, they show a sense of peace for me. And um, right. I've always liked that. Um, so I found my Myself struggling trying to figure out who I was and what what to do and what I wanted to be and it wasn't always pretty or wasn't great and you know a lot of times in your life you heard the um, 
the things of that what you weren't you know weren't going to amount right. to anything and you weren't going to be things you yourself struggling to try to figure out who you are and where you're trying to be and you try to hold on to any anything anything that will you know give you some sense of a dream and um that's that's what i did yeah well and that's what you're doing <laughs> right because you are doing some wonderful yeah. and fabulous things um you got out of your way and and went for it um and i want to share definitely before we get off of here some of the wonderful things you have coming up um because you have done some good wonderful things and you are still moving um so share us a little bit because through all of this when you were going through your journey was the music thing going for you or was that after you kind of got got through some things and then the music started um the voiceovers and things like that how did that happen i think i think as time went on i, I you know when you try a little bite of something and one of the things that has always motivated me was someone telling me that it couldn't be done it didn't mm -hmm. matter whether i was playing baseball or, or wanting to be in radio or or being on television um usually when people believe or don't believe in you it's this 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 rise or swell up in us to believe that somehow or another I'm going to not do it because of you I'm going to do it in spite of you and mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things in which I learned. so whenever I was told no my my goal was to in my own head say I I'm going to make it work although I started in public access television and then I moved on from that to uh, radio and then to network television and then syndicated radio of course not with just timeless tracks but uh, being on show Underwood's radio show that you know, I've been on for the last three years and um, all because someone to say yes. And I think that meant so much to me. Absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, while you were talking and I would listen to you, but you have one of those voices that people just kind of lock into. So I had a, a, a it might be a crazy question. I'm sure you've been asked this before. But when did you realize that you had because you were into radio and music? When did you realize you had this voice? that was kind of, you know, that radio voice. I wasn't 100% sure <laughs> when it happened, but I can do recall my mother once saying to me, uh, Tyrone, this voice is going to make you a lot of money or get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and I have no comment on either. I am not commenting. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I, I think uh, I, I understand exactly what she was saying. So, um, because it's it's amazing to, you know, when you think about when you're younger, especially with young men, when they grow into their voices and, you know, you think it sounds weird at some point, but then it starts to, you know, come into this to its own. Your voice like has a, a, a mind of its own. Like when you speak, I think sometimes people just hear your voice and it's like, just talk, you know, just just talk. Just go ahead and talk. And <laughs> you'd be amazed. You know, a couple of a, a couple of weeks ago, I called a place, and a, a a lady said, you know, I said, "Hey, is John there?" And she said, "Who's calling?" I said, "Oh, it's Tyrone Dubois." And she goes, "I'm sorry, who? Uh, who? What's your name again?" And so I told her my name. She said, "Hold on a second. I held on, and then um, she said, "Okay, wh who did you want to speak to again?" And I said the name, and she kept me on the phone, and I realized. He got a bunch of women around to hear me talking, and I was like, okay, okay, I, I, I see what's going on. Okay. That is hilarious. Uh, that was the other part your mom was talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, I that love was, it. 
Yeah, that was the part. Yeah, that was the part. I love it. So tell us a little bit about um because as people might not have known, you're on the on the West Coast, so a lot of people know, but the unsung, um, how did you get you know involved in the unsung um, you know, that 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 show? There was a gentleman that is that was instrumental and his name was um was Michael and Michael had gave me the Ajakwe and Michael Ajakwe gave me uh, he knew that I knew R&B history and he was one of the producers of Unsung. Ironically, I was sitting next to this gentleman and um, he was and I didn't know who he was. And um, he was just talking. We were at the Sly and the Family Stone um, Unsung episode at the premiere months before. I had been at the Ray Parker Unsung premiere, but I had just had cancer and my face looked really gaunt. And I remember Michael saying, I wanted you to host this particular show, he said, but I know you just had surgery and, you know, I looked thickly even though I was okay. Mm-hmm. And um, the opportunity came up for me to do this one. I was sitting next to this gentleman and he was asking and he just started talking. He didn't know who I was and I, I didn't know who he was either. He mentioned to me, he wondered if Sly and the Family Stone had any platinum singles and I told him, well, no, they never had any platinum singles, but they had the number 24th and 25th biggest single, you know, of the 70s, you know, uh, it's a family affair and I find it's time. And he, he looked back a little bit and he said, well, he said, how about, he asked me about a couple of other people. And I said, look, sir. And I was finding myself getting annoyed. And uh, I said, the first platinum single in history was Johnny Taylor Disco in 1975. And then he kind of reached back a little bit and then he said, well, who was number? And I went kiss and say goodbye to Manhattans. And he said, well, how do you know all this stuff? And then I finally just said, okay, well, I do this, you know, this radio show, Timeless Tracks. Gave him a card, and uh, he asked me to come to his office. I found out that the person I was sitting next to was the executive producer of Unsung, and wow. that's how I got on the air. Wow! I mean, talking about being in the right place at the right time—that's <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. actually what's kind of cool. So and I was just, ready. It, it just kind of reminds you that anywhere you could be getting lunch. You know, you could be doing anything and be sitting next to somebody who could actually just change things for you. Um, that's pretty cool. And yeah. actually, I, I would have been all the time. What? I was about to say, uh, I was just about to say that, you know, the I tell people that's one of the things I always tell people when anyone, you know, ask you a question, the answer should always be yes. Do you have a business card? Yes. Website. Yes. You know, samples of the work in which you do. It should always be yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm never unprepared and you never know when you're going to meet people and you just have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. And I would have been look, I probably would have been one of those people that was ear hustling when I started to hear you, you know, share those details. I probably would have been leaning in saying, wow, I didn't know that <laughs> you would have never been able to eat or get away or anything, because I mean, that is. It's amazing that you kind of <laughs> grab all of that information. That's, I mean, it's good information. I could listen to the, just to know our history and music and music being so powerful. Um, I don't even think nowadays that people know how powerful music is and to know where it comes from makes it even more powerful. And you having all of that knowledge um, and sharing it. Um, so what, tell us about this Timeless Tracks. Tell us about that radio, that show that you have. Um, Because I want people to tune into that, definitely. 
Yes, Timeless Tracks is a countdown of the top R&B songs in America over those six decades, according to the national R&B single charts. And what makes the show unique is that I tell you that the, you know, the date that the song was, you know, entered the chart and a little history about the artist. And um, it's kind of loosely based when I used to listen to Casey Kasem. It's almost the same to some degree because um, I love, you know, talking about, you know, what the artist did and, you know, do a little on it and stuff like that. And um, and what makes it also unique is that the song that peaks at number 10 could have been, you know, the OJs in 1971, a song at number nine, you know, could be uh, The Temptations, 1966. Song at number four could be, you know, Escape, 1992, you know, so it just, it varies. So you're getting six different decades in one wow. show. Wow. That is, that's huge. Um, look, I'm almost thinking this would be so cool to say, you know, have somebody say, well, throw out an artist and, and let's see, you know, <laughs> what he can tell us about them because I'm sure you all don't know because, you know, we think we know, you know, just by watching TV or whatever. But so share with me a little bit about, we were talking about Unsung. So what were some of the, um, the guests on there that you talked about or, you know, you did information for that was really intriguing to you? I'm sure they all are, but, you know, what were some, did you have some favorites when you were doing the show? Well, there are two that usually stick out. I've been doing it. I'm in my eighth year, I should say, of going unsung. So I've done over 20 to 25 of these. But I think the two that stand out the most to me are um, High Five. Um, High Five, you know, of course, had they were had great success. But, you know, the song, you know, not just in the songs itself, but the, you know, the group itself went through a lot of changes and a lot of struggles. You know, two of the um, one, both two, in fact, of the. Uh, uh, people that were in the group jail for murder. Um, one, you know, the lead singer died, and you know they've struggled in their own right and sense of, you know, continuing to go on as a group. And um, so that was one that stuck out to me. Um, the other one was Martha Wash, and Martha Wash, of course, was with a, a group called. Uh, she started with Sylvester. Then they called themselves Two Tons of Fun, and then they changed themselves to. Um, uh, the Weather Girls, and Martha Wash actually was in three number one songs, but got credit none of them. And one of the big ones was Everybody Dance Now, and she was actually the, you know, the voice of the uh, of the song, but they had the mumble on there pretending that she was actually doing the singing. And um, she got paid, but the pay didn't match the pain. And, you know, it was, it was huge for her. And wow. um, she got finally deservedly, you know, behind the fact that she had three number one songs that no one knew anything about. And the reason why they kept her face out of the video was because her image of who she looked like didn't fit the image of what they were doing when they were doing those type of songs. Wow. Wow. That's well, and I guess, you know, that, that and that actually is the history of how things work. Um, you know, and I learned from having a few friends in, in the industry that, there were times when I, you know, was with a friend who was a, you know, an artist and would say her, her name or her, you know, her age. We would talk about school or something. And she's like, no, 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 don't say that because in the music industry, that's not my age. You know, so I was like, oh, OK, this is all new to me. I don't understand how this works. Um, so it's fascinating to see um, because people don't know behind the scenes. So, look, we have a question for you. Um, I think Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Sharon said, um I don't know Charlie Parker's music music legacy. I do know a bit about it. 
I actually I do know a bit about Charlie Parker because my family used to listen to that quite a bit. But what's unique about Charlie Parker is his history on the charts. Very little uh, history on the R&B charts because his specialty of being jazz and the type of music in which he did wasn't commercially sold. Um, okay. My um, expertise is generally speaking on the you know, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, because the truth of the matter is, that's actually when music really started. You know, although in the 50s, you know, music had its its wings, but just to, you know, give you an example, the number one artist in the 50s was Fats Domino, but the number on, but the number two artist on the R&B charts was Elvis Presley. And so that's what a lot of people don't know. And so, um, I usually start with the beginning of the 60s because that's when music began to take hold for R&B artists. And, you know, they used to call it race music and then the black charts, then the soul charts, then the R&B charts. And I did it from the 60s to the 90s primarily. After the 90s, music generally the same. Um, you know, that's the reason why old school groups usually, you know, hang around so long because people miss the time when music of that nature was was really well. Yes, you actually just spoke to me with that because I love old school. Even my my kids know old school and their friends are usually looking at them like, how do you know this music? Where are you getting this from? And I was like, sorry, that's my fault because I loved old school music. It just it was different. You know, it was I don't know. It's something about old school music. Um, and I actually probably back then I listened to more um, different genres. But a lot of the music to me had some of the same beats. You know, you would have never thought some music was, I thought it was R&B. It wasn't technically, but I thought it was. So um, we listened to, and I'm a person who- What's unique who, about that? Uh-huh. I was about to say, Lisa, what's unique about that is the one reason why the old school R&B music stayed around is because R&B music told a story. You know, mm -hmm. when you, you know, heard a song, told you a story about a girl or or love or music or challenges or tragedies and changes. It told you a story, you know, and it only had a couple of minutes to do it. And right. now, you know, music is totally different now where, you know, a lot of the artists are independent, where they didn't have a record label behind them. And, you That's know, true. you can get this music and you went to a record store and you looked at album covers. But you don't do those things anymore. That's true. That's true. So in... in Leading into your um, radio with, um, I understand you work with on Cheryl Underwood's show. So share a little bit about what you do on Cheryl Underwood's um, radio show. Cheryl Underwood gave me uh, another opportunity of a lifetime. You know, I was ready when I, I met her. And, um, you know, when you work at uh, television, you know, you go to a, many different events. I had the opportunity to be at an event and I saw Cheryl and I knew at that moment that she had just started her radio show. She had a a hundred outlets or so. So I walked over to her and said, hey, Cheryl, my name is, and she said, oh, I know who you are, just, just like that. And I said, look, I know you're doing a, a a radio show. I'd love to be able to help you in any kind of way. And um, she said, I'll get back to you, my card. And then she has me do a segment on her show called A 60 Second Moment in Music History, based on any type of music in which I want to talk about. If I want to talk about the charts, I want to talk about country or R&B. And it's great because it gives me a great platform of being able to, you know, pretty much run the scope in, of anything in which I want. She went from 100 to now over 500 stations and now the number one urban wow. radio show in America. And she gave me a great opportunity. I'm forever grateful and thankful for 
for Cheryl for, you know, saying yes when others said no. And now, right. you know, because of my, you know, history, now I have a lot of people who are not only just interested in uh, do, but um, are interested in me wanting to work with them, but I can't. So, you know, it's okay. <laughs> that is, am that's amazing. But I mean, yeah, because it, it probably was an easy, easy yes. Because I mean, look, if I was sure on the weapon, like, um, as soon as you said, hey, I was like, yes i'll be calling you <laughs> you just have you um and you have that um the knowledge that people want to hear about um so I, I congratulations on that how long have you been with um cheryl underwood radio show it's been uh, a little over three years now actually okay. i had the opportunity to speak to cheryl because my my best friend ernest thomas who plays Raj on uh, What's Happening and Mr. Omar right. on Everybody Hates Chris. We were together at this place. We have the same publicist. And he's one of my best friends. And I recall him. I said, oh, my God, there's Cheryl. And I was like, well, I really kind of want to walk over. He goes, this is your opportunity. He said, your gift is going to make room for you. You better go over there and talk to it right now. And um, I just said, I'm just going to take this shot and make it happen. And, and I did. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned him. Um, just as a side note, um, I think, well, I started my online magazine back in 2012, but D, um, who played his little sister, is a friend of, of Dove Style Magazines. And she was actually, we did we did an article on her for, for the magazine, but we still will keep in touch with her and say hi. I know at first I would reach out to her and say, I don't know if you remember me, but we did her. And she's like, of course I do. Um, so we kind of stay connected with her. One of my um, contributing writers, I think, went out and, and did the article for, I can't remember. But yeah, we have connected with her, which was really, really cool um, for the magazine. So that when you- Danielle is cool. She's really, yeah, Danielle's a jewel. She's a sweetheart. She really, really is. And, and her and Ernest are almost one and the same. They're both extremely humble people and I love them both dearly. Danielle, she's, she's great. She is. She is. And she was one of my favorites on TV. I still watch it now. She was the sass and everything was like, I loved her. So I just, I watch it now and still laugh like I was seeing it for the first time. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you mentioned um, that you were going through an issue with cancer. Can you share with us some of that? Yeah, I was uh, seeing somebody at the time and um there were people that, um, in her family that had cancer. And she said to me, like, have you gotten a cancer checkup? And I said, look, I'm, I'm, I feel fine. There's nothing wrong. I'm okay. And um, she said, no, I'll, you know, I, I really just think you need to go get a, a check. I remember saying, well, you know, you're just saying that because, you know, you're going through this with your family and stuff. And finally, you know, she kept on going on and on. I just said, let me just go get a checkup before I, so I just keep them quiet. And um, I went to go get the checkup and sure enough, I had cancer. I had colon cancer. Wow. Remember the doctor um, putting up his hands and he did this. And I said, I don't understand what that means. He said, you may have six months, six weeks, six years. I don't know. You know, we have to operate right away. And oh, like walking around and not sure if I was going to see any of these people in my life again. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I went, okay, I've, I've, I've had nothing 
all my life. So I was like, okay, so now I have to, now I got to fight to live mm. or this is, this is it for me. And mm -hmm. so I remember the doctor saying to me, and I, we're going to try to save your, your life. And I remember he said, and I looked over at the clock. It was 1.37 p.m. I remembered that. And I said, okay, if, if that's the last thing I see, Mm. In my mind, I thought that was that was it. Right. And um, I remember waking up, and I remember nobody was in the room with me. And I remember a, I was going kind of berserk. I think then at that point, and I remember a lady come in and she said, "What's the matter?" And I said, "Did I live? Did I live? Am I am I going to live?" And she said. God's going to give you another chance to, you know, to get, you know, your life together. And I remember her, Lisa, coming on the the right side of me. And she said, so we're going to do a prayer. And I don't remember quite what she said. But um, so she did this prayer and I said something as she left. And I don't share this very often with people. But I remember going back to the hospital to try to this late. I remember how I felt and how, you know, I wanted to find her and say, thank you for being there. Right. And uh, nobody, and well, this lady doesn't work here. No, no, no. I remember seeing this lady. I distinctly remember seeing her. Is it what she looked like? And I said, she was, I said, I think she was Hispanic. I said she had on all white. And then the lady dropped her pen. And then she said, maybe that wasn't. Maybe that was an angel. Wow. And I remember, I remember how I felt after that. I remember going back to my car and I remember my life in my mind didn't, even though things were good in my mind, it didn't mean much mm -hmm. to me. And right. I remember saying, okay, I gotta be a better, not wasn't always kind and good to people, but I remember saying, I gotta be better. I've, I've gotta be a better person. I, I wanna help other people with, and be a better person and help and, and, and make my dreams come true and do everything that I can to try to make things better. And that's, that's what I think changed me. Mm -hmm. I think that's what changed me. Absolutely. And when, and were you, were you on, had, did you have your radio show and things like that? What was going on in your life at that time? I did have my radio show. I hadn't started unsung yet, but um, I did have my radio show. And I remember a few weeks ago to one of the first one or two of them that I did after I got out of the hospital, I sounded really weak, you know, but I was trying, you know, and I had to learn how to walk where it took me, you know, 10 minutes to walk around, the, maybe five minutes to walk around the block. I remember it took me an hour to walk around the block and I just said, I remember the doctor saying to me about emotion stays in motion. You mm. have to stay in motion. And I remember okay. just just trying to walk, you know, and um, it was maybe six months after that that I got on television. Okay. And so that's the reason why, you know, I think it's so important to give and 
you know, be extra kind and, you know, better dad and, and try very hard to, you know, to love people and use things and not, con and not use things, you know, love things and use people. You know, I had to, I had to find my way right. to doing, you know, all of these things again. And the simple things meant so much. And it's the reason why I've become a better giver and, and, and being kinder and it's changed my life. That's amazing. That's and she amazing. saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. The angels. The, yes. Um, and, you know, and that was because you had colon cancer. And I thought about that when we, you know, when we found out what happened with Chadwick, um, you know, and the experience and just knowing he went through that alone. Um, and, you know, and you said, you know, it was you, you hit something when you said something about nobody was in the room. But then and what she said to you is what's powerful because she said god has given you another chance which means to me she had an inside track on what's going on what's going to happen for you um that is amazing um that's a powerful, powerful the part that was, was yeah the part that was so hard for me or the part that i, I understood i was like she said god's going to give you another chance and so she said so you take advantage of this chance that i remember i remember um saying okay I get it. I get it now. Okay, I get it. And I remember this song Tim McGraw did called, you know, Live Like You Know You're Dying. And I remember listening to that song and it meant a lot. It meant a lot to me. Yes, that's that's a powerful story right there. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, because, I mean, those are the kind of testimonies that people, you know, sometimes don't know if it's going to move people, don't know how people are going to feel about it. But it just goes to show you that, you know, um, you need to, there are people around you, even when you think you're alone, you're not alone. Um, and 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 you're a strong person for getting through that. Um, so congratulations on, on getting through that. And then the change. Um, it's a lot of things that happen in people's lives that change them for the better. Um, and like we talked about, I think on a previous show I had where it's like sometimes God sends messages and they know when, he knows when you're stubborn. So sometimes you get, you know, I said, I'm really stubborn sometimes. So sometimes I was like, well, why was my lesson so hard? But <laughs> I think it was because he knew you weren't going to listen yeah. the other way. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things I've learned is. And particularly once you've done something like that, once you fought for your life, you don't fight with people anymore. Your 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 attitude has changed. Who you become has changed. You're less tolerant of 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 craziness or nuttiness. And sometimes that includes with even friends and family, where you get to a point that you know I fought to live. I didn't fight for you know to have to deal with all of this anymore. You know, so you know I've gotten to the point to where one of the things I tell people all the time is that you'll never get to your destination if you constantly throw stones at every dog that's barking on the street. Just go straight down the street and just keep moving. And that's Absolutely. what I learned. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. I love it. So what we want to talk about now, because you have gotten through some things and you, you, that's just a powerful word. And it actually has blessed you in ways that you have some wonderful things coming up. So I wanted you to talk about, I know you have a book, I think come, that's coming out and we wanted to get to the um, HBCU project that you have going on. Please tell us all about it. Okay, this is so cool. Hold on. <laughs> I got the book. Oh, this wonderful. is so cool. Wonderful. I never get a chance to I never get a chance to do that. Oh my gosh. Oh, there, it's not there. 
And so it's coming out soon. It's called The Four Seasons of R&B. And okay. it's based upon my top 10 list of uh, my, t- my top 10 list of the top artists from the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. And uh, it's really kind of cool because not only did I do, you know, the top 10 list, I did the one hit wonders. I okay. did, uh, you know, the people that were on the bubble before I got into the top 10. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. So where can we find the book? Um, it is almost done. Um, it will be um, it will be done in another two weeks, finishing okay. the last part of the 90 right now. And uh, so I'm really excited about it because there were so many, you know, so many aspects of things that, you know, when I did this top 10 list, there were things that I didn't even understand or know. And I can maybe perhaps give some tidbits in the 70s, for example. Yeah. I won't tell you where the and 5 rated on the chart on, but... The Jackson Five had 25 singles that they got on the charts, and of 25 singles, 22 were, you know, made it into the top 10. That's amazing. And it's wow. 25 wow. singles. That's just about everything. I can't yeah. imagine. They must yeah. have just made a mistake with the other the other three or four things. Cause, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So they did. And in the 80s, one of the things I I will give them this tidbit. Um, most people believe that Michael Jackson, you know, was the top, you know, he was the king of pop, but he mm-hmm. was not the king of R&B in the 80s. He was not. In fact, Michael Jackson was number three in the Really? So he was number yes. three? Not, he was ranked number three, but he wasn't just ranked, he was ranked number three. There are actually two people that were bigger than Michael Jackson on the R&B charts. Hmm, but you can't tell us, right? I ain't telling nothing. (laughs) I tried. I tried. I tried, y'all. I really tried. (laughs) But what I will say is y'all need to get the book. If y'all want to know, y'all got to get the book. So you said it comes out. When does it come out? Is it out? Uh, it will be out in the next few weeks. I'm actually finishing the last finishing touches of the book right now, which is really kind of cool. It includes some of the top five wonders of the different decades. And it's ironic. I will say a couple of them in the 80s. I know you were a kind of the 80s kind of person. So in the 80s, there were two one hit wonders. And one of them was Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Okay. And the other one was in the top five of that was uh, Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy. Really? Well, and actually, yeah. look, I love I loved the 80s, but you believe it or not, I am actually, I love the 70s. Um, I love Firecracker. Uh, I love Firecracker and all of those songs that came out. I love the 70s music. So the 70s, I'll give you two of the uh, the uh, top of the pop or the uh, one hit wonders. I combined the rocks together. That would be Rock Your Baby, Rock the Boat, and Rockin' Chair. I put those together. The other one that I put um, in there was uh, Kung Fu Fighting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, I love it. Okay, so I'm, I have to get my copy signed, of course. So 
Um, you let let me know when absolutely. you release it. absolutely yes, and let me know when you release it, and I will definitely absolutely. share it on the page because look, I see some of my friends out here um that are tuned in and they have questions. They they they're loving it. So um yeah, we need to we need to get that book for sure. So and tell us so. Let's keep the absolutely. With, with the HBCU project you have coming up. Um, I have, uh, it was just announced uh, two days ago that my um, web series called Do You Know is now going to be officially seen on HBCU television. Um, that's on the Fire Stick and Apple TV, as well as Roku. And uh, it will begin in the next couple of weeks on uh, on television. And it's based on R&B trivia, which is kind of cool. And uh, I talk about R&B trivia um, just like I do on the television show. I'm doing it uh, on the HBCU television network. That is so cool because I think we shared with you before we went live that we are some we HBCU fam. Um, I went. My son actually goes. Yes, to, he goes to Eastern Shore, um, and I went to Spelman. Um, a lot of my family went to you know Howard, and yeah, we, we HBCU all the way. Yes, yes, yes. So what? So what kind of? Yeah, thing so you it's some history. It's um, it's actually the R&B history and R&B trivia, just like I do on the uh, on the, my radio show. But I'm doing it in a, in a visual sense where you'll be able to see it in uh, two or three minute segments. There'll be like uh, like infomercials, um, like two or three minute infomercials on there. And it's really kind of cool. One of them I did was based upon um, the uh, biggest up on the charts was in 1977 between um, Andy Gibbs, I Just Want to Be Your Everything, and uh, The Emotions with Best of My Love. Both songs were being on the chart for the number one position in 1977, and they denied three R&B singles the chance to get to number one, which included the Commodore's Easy, Casey and the Sunshine's Band's Keep It Coming Love, and they denied another one-hit wonder that was on my list, The Floaters Float On. What? Yeah. Oh my goodness! And um, but neither one of them, neither one of them got song of the year. Rod Stewart beat them both with "Tonight's the Night." Mm. And, and look, every time you list a title, I'm just like, yes, yes. I wish all of that music was playing. I just, I love music. Um, wow. I'm trying to think what kind of thing. Look, I, I said before we go off of here, I'm like, what can I ask him? So is there anything that you can share with us that is something that people would kind of be? Well, a lot of the stuff you just shared with me, I was like, really? I didn't realize that. But do you have some things that you could share with us um, that people wouldn't really realize about their favorite songs? I actually I will share this. I'm a fan of um, Shalimar. Absolutely love them. Shalimar, actually, I did um, Howard Hewitt's Unsung, and um, which was really great. Uh, Shalimar is, was a great group, but they actually inserted someone else in the play. Howard Hewitt actually took the place of another lead singer. In Howard Hewitt actually wasn't the lead singer. It was someone else, and they inserted someone else in. And um, believe it or not, um, Howard Hewitt actually, his solo career was actually better the career of Shalimar. Really? Wow. I yeah. love I love their first music. Also, I know. Uh-huh. 
I was just about to say real quick. Um, I know that we just uh, lost uh, the, Ronald Bell of Cool and the Gang. I was about to say the number one R&B group of the 80s was Cool and the Gang. I, I'm going to go with that one because I love Cool and the Gang. Yes. <laughs> Actually, um, my, yeah, well, my, they were the number one. my husband is a fan of Charlie Wilson. He loves Charlie Wilson. Well, we both do. We love Charlie Wilson. <laughs> He's a great guy too. I've been on tour with him. He's he's just a very kind gentleman. He's he's a good guy. He really is. And he's had a huge history in music. You know, he's he's, he's yes, he has. Yes, he has. Longevity is a big deal in music nowadays, and um, a lot of people don't realize. You know, a lot of people think that they're trying to find a sense of relevance, but it's not relevance that keeps you around. It's reinvention. You have to reinvent yourself, just like you have to do with your life. We have to, you know, reinvent ourselves. It's a lot of the advice in which I give to people whenever they ask for advice. You know, not only just to pursue their dreams in music, but just to pursue their dreams in general. You have to be able to reinvent yourself. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Actually, what would be interesting? Do you know? Um, somebody said they love um Patty LaBelle. Um, oh yeah, the history behind Patty LaBelle. Wow, wow. Well, here's the deal. In the seventies, Patty LaBelle first they were called you know the Blue Bells, you know. Mm -hmm. Then they were called the Bells. Then the Blue Bells. Then LaBelle itself. And um, then she moved on into the 80s where she had her streak of being a big, you know, big solo singer. But I will give you some R&B trivia. The number one R&B female artist in the 80s, many people would think it was, you know, Janet Jackson or Whitney Houston or, you know, Anita Baker. But actually, the non-R&B artist in the 80s was Aretha Franklin. And she just made it. There was because the number two artist, female artist in the 80s, was none other than Stephanie. Now, Stephanie Mills, that I love. She was the Stephanie. number. She was the second. Yeah. She was the second biggest artist female artist in the 80s, over Janet Jackson, over Whitney Houston, over Anita Baker, over Patti LaBelle. She was actually bigger than all wow. of these other artists. Well, look, I, I will say this about Stephanie Mills um, from way back when she did the, the plays and everything. Her voice was one of the most powerful voices I have ever heard in music, ever. And it was so effortless. Um, I just always kind of admired the fact that as soon as she opened her mouth, it was just like sound came out. It was and it was perfect. She had an amazing voice. Um, I've always loved Stephanie Mills. Yes, she did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she did. She did. One thing I would like to ask you. Um, I want to touch on a little bit how sometimes, you know, nowadays people are using music that actually comes from, and this is speaking to the history, they're, you're, they're taking pieces from music that was back in the day. So do you have any trivia or information on like some music that we wouldn't believe? Oh, it came from this music? Because a lot of these young people don't realize that this music has already been out there. Um, there's a whole lot of sampling and stuff going on. So what could you give us that, you know, we would be Some surprised? Actually, yeah. 
Yeah, someone actually asked me, uh, told me that their favorite uh, singer was Tupac and they liked the song, How Do You Want It? And I told them, did they know where that came from? And they said, no, that actually came from the Jones Body Heat album. That's where that came from, 1969, I believe. And the song with Crisscross Jump actually Uh came from a sample from the Ohio Players' Funky Worm. Really? I would have never guessed that Crisscross, I would... I would have never made that bridge. <laughs> never. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I- that's where a lot of these samples. Yeah, so that's where a lot of the sampling comes from. You know, that's the reason why music meant so much or so different than you know than it was now. It's back in the day, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's much different. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of sampling that's going on now. They uh, force artists to credit the samples of where they're getting them from. And the most sampled stuff was by James Brown more than anyone else. Really, more than anybody else. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't help it. More than anybody else. You couldn't help it. I mean, you hear James Brown and you just move. <laughs> it's just, it's yes. just like this. So let me um before we get off um because I think we've um this has been such a pleasure um and just you are doing so many amazing things. And um, it's still growing. And I want to make sure that people actually know where they can find you, um, whether it's on social media, your website. I know I visited your website, which I believe is um, rmbhistorian.com. Is that? Yes, that's correct. rmbhistorian.com. Yes. Uh, Yes. People have probably heard my voice on many commercials, including... um, I don't know if they have the Ross commercials over there, but you know, I've been doing the Ross commercials for years. And as well. yeah, so if you hear you get hundreds of dollars at different department stores, or you can go to Ross. At Ross, they have everything you want for the absolute lowest price. Ross, unbeatable. So that did those for a while. But uh, you can also reach me, which is cool because my publicist said, make sure I do this on social media, Jerome Dubois. Um, you, you can reach me on there, R&B History as well. And uh, of course, on my website and Instagram, it's Jerome Dubois or R&B History, uh, rnbhistorian.com. So, okay. So before we before we leave, because see, you started something when you did that. Okay. Because Ross is one of my favorite stores. It is. And when you started to say that, I recognized <laughs> The commercial. So are there any other commercials that you've done that people might recognize and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize that. Well, I've done a few of the Ford commercials as well okay. as uh, Wells Fargo and some of those commercials as well. There's a couple of big ones that they won't allow me to say because okay. um, but but they, they they would probably know if they if they hear the commercial and if they hear it. Right. The dots, yeah, they'll connect the dots. So now, um, when we're, li- when we're the- listening to commercials, now we'll be going, Oh my gosh, I know that voice. <laughs> that's what most people do, you know. That's it's kind of cool. I like to, however, you know, I usually close if I ever, when I first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show, it means a lot, you know. As I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I rarely, rarely, rarely do interviews. But um, I think it's so important in these times, particularly to share a part of yourself. And I think it's it's so important. One of the things in which I usually like to say to people before, you know, if they ask for any advice of what it is in which they're doing. One of the things that I always tell them is there's 1,440 minutes a day. 
and that they need to be able to figure out how many hours a day their dream is worth. Every day here in my studio, you know, I spend an average of at least 60 minutes a day here in my studio, no matter what it is, um, planning, you know, figuring out what it is in which I, I want and need to do. The second thing I tell people is that they, you have to plan your work and work your plan. Nothing in life has ever worked without a plan of that, you know, that you do. Whether you're doing this show or, you know, the things in which, you know, your wonderful uh, uh, people that are watching, I want to thank them all for their kind words. It means so much to me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, nothing worked without a plan, whether you're buying a car, job, a house, or anything else. All of your success comes with a plan. That's the third true. most important thing that I, you know, I tell people is years ago, I was at a red carpet event. I had a uh, someone that was there and they asked me a bad question and I really wasn't prepared for it. And um, I remember that the publicist I had then said, you're fired. And they said, not because you weren't able to answer the question or that you had bad things about you, but because you weren't ready for it. And what she told me was something that really changed my life. She said, and I want to say it to all of the people here, you know, on your show, if you're not ready for people to talk about you, you're not ready for success. You're just going to have to be okay knowing that people are always going to have something to say about you and everything in which you want in life is going to require you to be okay with it. And as I mentioned to you earlier, you're never going to get to the end of the street to your destination if you're throwing stones at every dog that barks. Don't throw stones at the dogs that are barking. Just keep walking. And that's what I've learned. Absolutely. That, that now... That part right there, that is um, actually that's a powerful message right there to everybody, um, because the reality is that people are going to talk and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so just keep pressing forward, because um, if you spend too much time worried about what other people are saying, you're going to lose track and get distracted on what you're trying to do. So that is excellent. Excellent. What advice. I normally tell people. Yeah. What I normally tell people is there's over 300 million people in the United States, and then you're focused on the one or two who have something to say about you. Nothing's wrong with them. Something's wrong with you if you're giving them that power, because behind our feelings is nothing, but behind every principle is a purpose. And a lot of times yes. we're not where we want to be because we're caught up in our feelings. And I've learned not to do that. At, look, well, you just put it in perspective with the numbers, because when you say how many, when you think about how many people in the world and then it's like you want to be bothered with these this this handful of people really um so that that makes all the sense in the world i have enjoyed having you on the show i'm hoping that we can connect um i would love to like i said i will reach out to you for dove style magazine this was so much fun i mean we could have gone on and on talking about the history of music um and the fact that you just kind of know this stuff is like amazing so I mean, you probably get questions everywhere you go. It's probably to the point where you just kind of like, um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. But this is, it's amazing. Yeah. We'll talk about it off the air. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I've learned it's okay. And I appreciate everyone who asked. And it, it means, it means so much. I'm grateful for the gift in which I have. I'm, I'm just, I've learned to just have kindness and pass it on. That's what I've done. And I thank you so much. Yes, this and is I hope that everybody reaches out to me. I look forward to hearing yeah. from them. Absolutely, I'm gonna be on them to make sure they do that. Um, and I have got to get that book. I wanted to again thank everybody for tuning into the show for Luncheon with Lisa. And I wanted to remind you all you can go to Luncheon with Lisa on Facebook, 
Um, we also are streaming live every Thursday, 7 to 8 on YouTube and on Facebook on our page. And I usually share it on my personal page as well. Um, but again, thank you all for tuning in. This has been wonderful. And we have learned some things because one of the things that I always like and I do this with everything that I have going on. I really want you to visit the show, visit the magazine, visit whatever I'm doing and learn something that you didn't know before you came. And I will say, you know, we learned something on all of these shows, but we learned some fun, interesting trivia today. And I can't wait to get the book and learn even more. Um, and listen for your voice now every time we listen to Unsung or anything else. So congratulations on all your endeavors. And we will definitely continue to support you. And I hope to connect with you soon. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. The honor is mine. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you.